This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Schlomowitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. In this episode, artistic director of the Belgian group Nader, Peter Matensens, talks about two open-air performances his group collaborated on in the recent past, namely Natasha Diels' Papillon and the Dancing Cranes, composed for Construction Cranes and Ensemble, and Michal Marhoff's Exit F for Hot Air Balloons and Ensemble. At the beginning of the episode, you'll hear an extract from Natasha's piece, and at the end, you'll hear an extract from Michal's piece. Since these are both audiovisual pieces, we strongly recommend you to watch the video documentations on the links provided in the information section. I am together with composer Stefan Prince, artistic director of the Belgian 
another ensemble. And I'm also a cellist with the ensemble. And with our ensemble, we're always looking for adventurous uh, compositions uh, leading us to new paths. And I think this is what we will discuss tonight. I'm Natasha Diels. Uh, I'm a composer performer, but mostly perform or composer these days. Um, I have a group called Ensemble Pamplemos, and I teach at the University of Pennsylvania, which is in Philadelphia. Like Michelle, I also work with objects and instruments, and I also do a lot of stuff with electronics and video. My name is Michael Mayow. I'm living as a freelance composer in Hamburg, Germany, northern Germany. Sometimes I'm also a performer, but mostly I do compose with objects and instruments and videos and have these wonderful collaborations with ensembles like Nadar. Because I'm always working in a very specific field of sound world, so I need a really close collaboration with people. My music is not really easily to be performed in the normal music business with this three-hour rehearsal thing. For this broadcast uh, with Nadar, we choose uh, two composers, uh, Michael Mayerov and Natasha Diels, and two compositions, Exit F for Ensemble and Hot Air Balloons, and Natasha Diels piece for uh, ensemble and three construction cranes. Um, both pieces are, are meant to be performed outdoors. So they have like a big, um, how to say, they, they have the potential to reach a big audience. They're also maybe a little bit like over the top, but on the other hand, they're also very intimate. And for me, these pieces also um, have a special meaning because uh, for me, these are composers who think beyond the notes and for them, they also think about uh, what's the importance of the scenography of a piece, what's the meaning of light, what's the meaning of, of video. And for me, especially important is that all these elements, they come from one brain. So it's like a composer trying to realize the full potential of what a happening can be. And I think if composers can work in these in this way, I think um, artistically it's the most uh, fruitful collaboration which you can uh, which you can have because they have to make less compromises. They don't have to work together with an external scenographer. They don't have to work with a video artist. So these are the processes I really I, I really like to work with the composer. Yeah, I I kind of feel two ways about it. I actually do exactly what Peter said in, in a lot of my projects and including this construction cranes project I kind of do most you know I, I do all the conception myself and I end up doing most of the work myself um, but I really sort of prefer to collaborate with other people but that process is much more time consuming and um, you know logistically complicated in most cases um, so I don't know, it's actually kind of nice to hear Peter say that because I, it's very unusual to hear somebody say that it's a good thing to have everything come from one brain. I'll have to think about that some more. But anyway, so with the construction cranes piece, yeah, I, um, I first made the piece for the Borealis Festival in Norway, um, in 2017, and it came from just sort of a really long-term fascination with construction cranes. Um, I just was photographing them for many years, and I was really taken with their beauty and their grace and also this weird duality that they're these, like, really magical 
kind of pieces of equipment that also um, represent destruction and, you know, climate change and those sorts of things. Um, and I really like that sort of duality in a lot of um, concepts in my work. And so I'm always kind of trying to walk the line between, you know, being joyful and crying, I guess. I think this piece would never came to real reality if Peter didn't ask me to do it, because I would never have done something like that. Uh, you know, Peter asked me, can you write a piece for hot air balloons in ensemble out, outside, outdoors? I said, no way, I, do, I don't do this event shit. Sorry, sorry. And then Peter insisted. He said, yeah, yeah, just come and listen and, you know, come to our festival in St. Nicholas in Belgium. Uh, listen to the sound and, and just get the atmosphere. And I got there and I was immediately struck by this huge sound they produce It's a, uh, by burning the gas, by heating up the, the air to fill the balloons. They, they have huge burners, uh, different, different burners. And um, I immediately was fascinated by that sound. So I said, okay, I'll make a try. I don't know what it's going to be, but uh, to have this kind of... Uh, huge instruments uh, without any amplification. It's just uh, a huge sound world they produce. Okay, I do it. And then I wrote this ensemble piece where the sounds, you know, the sounds are very restricted by the air balloons. It's just on and off and like more or less two gas sounds. Um, so I, I imported kind of the sound of the balloons into the ensemble by uh, object players And back, uh, the, the the like violin and cello, um, they imported back like more precise or different different qualities of sounds into the balloon sound. So it, it's a it's a two way communication between two groups. Um, and the thing would would what I never would have thought about before when we rehearsed the first time in the darkness. They were suddenly were. It was also a light installation, you know. It was I we you Peter. You remember we always rehearsed daytime because the musician and and the balloon players, you know, you know we rehearsed and then first I think first performance was with a full balloon uh, um, and I said wow this is so impressive like 10, 15, 20 meter high bulbs in open air in the urban space. That was really something which was, uh, uh, for me, a big surprise, uh, like a, a thing which came through the big sound. It's also the big light. So I'm, I'm really thankful, Peter, for um, twisting my arm to do it, <laughs> the piece. From the moment you said uh, no to my question, I knew, I knew actually that you were the right guy to do this. What Michael said is that it's not only like uh, this big sound sculptures, uh, it's of course there's this light sculptures, but it's also sound sculpture because you really, when the when the, the pilots are pulling the gas, they, they also produce this massive warmth. So you also feel this, this, this energy of sound Also, you feel it as an audience, so it's not only about the sound, but you also, it's the sounds becoming very physical. The, the sounds getting some kind of a three-dimensional feeling or something. And this is what also struck me with uh, with this piece. Um, but maybe I, I can also add to, to Michael's, uh, what Michael was saying is that this piece, um, actually I'm born in the city of, uh, of Sydney Klaas. It's a town between, between Ghent and Antwerp. 
and they host and uh, every year uh, one of the biggest hot air balloon festivals in the world. And during one weekend, they uh, in Saint Nicolas they celebrate the the liberation from the from the Germans from the Second World War. They do this every year with a big balloon air festival, and then at the same time. You know, at a certain moment, you see in, in one hour, you see maybe 100 hot air balloons um, departing from the city center of St. Nicolas. So, so actually, I, I grew up with this with this image of every year there was this big, uh, big hot air balloon festival in the city center, which is also unique to have. And then, of course, with our ensemble, Nadar, we are, we are based in, in St. Nicolas, it's our hometown. But besides that, uh, Nadar or uh, Gaspar Felix Tournachon was uh, not only a very famous uh, cartoonist and photographer of the second uh, half of the 19th century, he was also a very famous uh, balloonist. At a certain moment, he developed uh, the biggest balloon in the world. It was called Le Géant. They even once departed from the, the, the city of uh, Brussels, the center of the city of Brussels. I think it was... 1864 and actually so many people came to the marketplace of Brussels that they had to uh, develop these fences to secure uh, the balloon and the, the audience so to so they have a I'm about to say the the, the circumstances were, were, were more uh, safe for the audience until this moment in Belgium they call uh, still these fences they call them nadars and it's actually the only uh, country in the world where they name these fences Nadars. And then the great thing about this is that when Nadar found out that in Belgium they were calling fences uh, after his name, he wrote uh, a big protest letter to, to a newspaper and he said like, hey, I have to object that my name is used for a fence because all my life I was uh, actually fighting to, to, to cross barriers. With my balloon, he wanted to fly above the national uh, borders. He was supporting the, the impressionistic uh, art movement. So he said, like, everything what I, what I fought for, you know, and then in this small Belgian country, they call my name and everybody thinks about a fence. So this is also, for me, actually a very nice story. And then if you connect all these dots, the city, the city of Sydney class, uh, the name of our ensemble, then we know that Michael was, uh, he, he made pieces for small balloons. So for us, it was a logic step that Michael would once make a piece for us for these big hot air balloons. Yeah, when Peter asked me to remake the piece, um, I was actually really excited to do that because the first time I, I did it um, was right after I had my first, well, my only kid. Um, and so it was like a very complicated time for me to try to stage this enormous piece. Um, and so, yeah, it was really exciting to get an opportunity to do it again. Um, and I ended up reworking a lot of the material, which was really nice. Um, but I also, it was very fortunate that I had a lot of the knowledge that I had acquired the first time around because I worked really extensively with the crane operators um, in Bergen. And so, that was, um, I felt like I was starting at a higher level when we remade the piece in Antwerp. Um, yeah, I don't know. And the logistics of it, I mean, it's complicated, but I've found like in both cases that the people are just really incredibly kind and wonderful and willing to work and helpful and everything. And it was really just a wonderful experience both times. Um, 
Some of the interesting logistics that came up this time were we used a tower crane instead of the three harbor cranes that we, or three mobile harbor cranes that we used the first time. And so the second time we used two mobile cranes and one tower crane. And the tower crane, I didn't know this at all until we did this. It's actually like a very fragile um, piece of equipment. It looks massive and it's, you know, tons and tons of steel, but it's actually held together with these very thin cables that are not meant to do anything other than what it's made to do. And so that was, that was a learning experience. Um, and I knew this going into it, but the, the pace of that crane was even slower than the pace of the other cranes, which was musically tricky to work with, or I mean, not musically, cause they, I wasn't using them for music, but, um, in the context of staging it with music, that was tricky. Yeah. So like the first time I did it, I had kind of you know, I had a little bit more elaborate ideas about the choreography. And then once we started rehearsing, I was like, oh, right. <laughs> it really is like as slow as I first thought it was going to be. And then I just kind of imagined them to be able to go through stuff faster, but they can't. They're huge machines. But it's fine because the speed gets really compensated for by the, the massiveness of them. So there's nothing Ooh. lost with the slowness. It's just hard to think on that level. We had also some interesting logistic problem because the balloon uh, play, players or the balloon, they are pilots. So they have to be, they have a license for pilots. So no musician could play it. So that was um, really a challenge to musicalize them. And what, what was first time I made a video score, this idea, I just make a video and there's the running cursor, which we are using You know, in Logic, the running cursor is timing, and then I made a kind of a MIDI score, and so they they the they had a laptop, the the pilots, and the the cursor was running through the whole piece. The conductor or the musicians also had to the click track, and um, so they could really follow so precisely. Peter, we were so astonished. I mean, they could play the trip the quintuplets, and really. Exact, exact length because they only had to do this on and off but with the cursor you can really precisely do the on and off on a 16th note and stop on the next triplet uh, visually so that was something which I developed there and I used the video score idea more and more for a complicated situations outside or in, in, a, in a concert hall divided you know into the hall um, so it's a very, very important um, invention at that time for me. Yeah, they were more actually, actually more stable than us, I think, sometimes in the rhythmical, uh, <laughs> in the rhythmical parts. <laughs> no, but it, it actually, this is, it's also what for me is connecting these both pieces is that, that we had to coll collaborate with, uh, with non-musicians, uh, in the case of Michael, with, 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 with with pilots and in some way we also succeeded them that they became also really enthusiastic about the piece like one pilot at a certain moment she said like hey in the beginning I really didn't know what we were doing but you know now actually I'm really starting to to hear the music you know and and so she she got very enthusiastic and and they were also how to say they really also wanted to perform it very well they wanted to have a quality a very qualitative performance and actually the same with the crane operators with natasha's piece at a certain moment i saw them discussing because they had to be together and then they, the one crane operator was telling the other one hey you have to anticipate there a little bit more to be together with me so you actually you were they were already talking as musicians 
to it towards each other. And then for Nastasha's piece, also this for me was important was this this context in this uh, city festival, dear Antwerp, because for this piece it was not only the, the collaboration with uh, the crane company, but it was also the the collaboration with uh, with two youth organizations, uh, Stormkop and Kras because they had to uh, produce this massive butterfly because at the end of this performance the the the, the cranes they don't they do not only dance but they have to unfold a big butterfly and and for this after some brainstorm sessions we said like hey wow wouldn't it be great if this butterfly was uh, was made from um, recycled materials and if this uh, if this butterfly would be made by uh, by youngsters from Antwerp, so actually during a big part of the holiday, people were working on this butterfly, and so you get all this extra extra musical elements, which for me this th these two performances by this way it becomes very very personal for for many people. So it's not like only for us as musicians or as an ensemble. So in this way, with, with these projects, you have the feeling like, hey, we're we're doing something together, and you have the and and you have the opportunity to to get to learn a lot of people. We get to learn people from the balloon world, from the crane construction company world, from youth organizations, and this is actually what these projects are. This is the most relevant for me with the, these both projects. Thanks for bringing that up, Peter. That was a really important part of the project the first time. Also, was that the butterfly was made with recycled materials, and it was like I really wanted to work with the children in Bergen. So that was, um, yeah, that was a big part of the project in both cases was that I, I needed, like I really wanted the butterfly not to be made with new materials for obvious reasons. And I really wanted it to be like a community organized thing and especially um, working with the kids as much as possible. So yeah, in both um, versions of that, that was a central part of the project. 